Hey, welcome back to Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things the South. I'm Logan sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. As always, be sure to go follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Go on over to all the areas where you can find this podcast. Spot, uh, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. It's on YouTube now these days. So make sure you go give us five stars, great review, click follow, click subscribe, hit the alert bell. Anyway, so you know that each and every week, Miserable and Reckless is bringing you the best and most authentic takes on the internet when it comes to sports and Southern culture. Check out the website, miserable-reckless.com. Good blog content there. All right, let's move into the good, bad, and the ugly. Dustin, what you got? Well, uh, fairly positive this week. Um, one good, I texted the guys about this earlier in the week. Um, Eastern North Carolina always finds a way to find me, which is kind of fun. Um, I was at the park here in Arlington, Virginia with my dog and my daughter and happened to find a guy from Wilson, North Carolina. And I uh, just got to talking to him about the Eastern part of the state and barbecue and sports. And he was a Carolina guy, but you know, won't hold it against him. And uh, he's been a, it, around the DC area about the same amount of time. It's just kind of a nice little, little thing to find. Um, and it's kind of funny because it seems like nowhere be it here or traveling places, I always find folks from somewhere around home. So good old Wilson and, uh, you know, Eastern North Carolina, they're always there for me. Um, so one other good, I was, I talked earlier in the year about how I really, I thought like Duke should do football should focus on the transfer board. Well, uh, guess Mike Elko is a fan of this podcast. Um, he went out and got a uh, safety from Michigan who was a pretty highly rated recruit coming into Michigan who I guess probably was a bit dissatisfied with his time there and how could you be satisfied in Ann Arbor. And uh, so now he's coming to Durham. So that's a positive. Um, looks like, you know, somebody who can contribute for a couple of years. And again, there's plenty of guys out there who want to play. You can go find them. Uh, last thing is uh, kind of a funny, and but but it was also kind of a nice little truth. Mike Bray this week was at ACC Media Spring Meetings talking to the press. And they were talking about NIL and Transfer Portal. And his, his quote was, we got to stop complaining. This is the world we're in. Last time I checked, we make pretty good money. So everybody should shut up and adjust. I loved it. <laughs> no, so, yeah, so I I saw that and I was like, hell yeah, Mike Bray. <laughs> good on you, man. Because it's accurate. It's like if you if you don't like it, get out. And if you it or if you don't like it that bad, and if you don't like it, but you enjoy making your income, then get over it and move on. So good perspective, I thought. Um, he tends to not mince words. He's fun to follow. So that's my good, good, and um, kind of funny slash truth. You know, I just recently found out that he's from this area, uh, and this area being Maryland. He's like, I think ACC. I've heard that. He's like an ACC guy, like through and through and through. Yeah. Like grew up mm -hmm. with it. I know Maryland's not an ACC anymore. Yeah. That's their red <laughs> <laughs> all right and i should add former mike shashevsky assistant mike bray at that but all right morgan good the bad and the ugly all right so my good this month may is gonna be a great month man uh the long anticipated obi-wan kenobi series is uh set to debut at the end of this month i'm extremely excited about that because Star Wars fans have been asking for this one for a long time, and I think it's going to be probably the best series out of all of them uh, besides the movies to come out yet. So we're looking forward to that. And then also uh, Stranger Things Season 4, who was, which was created by the Duffy Brothers from Durham, North Carolina. Um, that comes out this month as well. So I'm also excited about that. Two great things to look forward to this month. On to the bad, uh, which is kind of somewhat first was a good, but Bridget got uh, tubes put in her ears the other week. Um, everything was going great, but she's got small small ears, which 
Crystal does as well. So, you know, when weather changes, any kind of, uh, you know, science infections, they hit her pretty hard. And um, so the tubes have closed up once already. And it looks like the other one probably did as well. So she's going to have to go back in and, and get that checked out and have, have it cleaned up. Um, I'm having to put eardrops in her right now. And, you know, it's you, you see those where they try to tackle the bulls and, and tie the rope around them. Yeah, uh, that shit. That that's a walk in the park for them because trying trying to hold down this child, that's pretty much a mini version of Crystal, is impossible. <laughs> I can imagine that now that you've described it that way. Yeah, eardrop rodeo. Arms like you try to put your arm down, she maneuvers that arm out, and yeah, you future wrestler right there probably. Um, and then my ugly. Uh, you know, we don't talk much baseball, but I'm just gonna get right to it. The Red Sox suck this year, man. I mean, they are horrible. <laughs> they, their number one thing that they needed to fix in the offseason was pitching. The number one thing they did not fix in the offseason, ding ding ding. Tell her what she's won, Johnny. Pitching. <laughs> nothing. They did nothing about it. they brought back the same ass clown and release a bullpen that they had last year and added a dumbass or two to it. And it's just it's a joke, man. Um Chain from uh, the Rays, you know, he came in here. We were all thinking, oh, they're gonna, he's gonna draft and build just like they built the Rays the last ten years. And I, I, I hadn't seen it yet, um, so I don't, I don't know what Kool Aid he was drinking, but it wasn't a uh, let's go get a good uh, bullpen Kool Aid. So that's my ugly um, Red Sox. You were officially done for the season because it looks like they're probably gonna be trading away pieces now just to stay in the season. So you might, start seeing, you might start seeing a bunch of 21-year-olds on the field here in about uh, two or three weeks. And that was the Red Sox scouting report brought to you by Red Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> and writ- written by my foot in your ass. <laughs> I may have to use that from now on, Morgan. That was great. They added a few dumbasses. <laughs> All right, Ryan, good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, so Logan, if you have it ready, this is my good. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter's ended. Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. That was an 80-to-1 horse that came out of freaking nowhere. Literally coming around the last turn to win the race. It was awesome. The buildup was actually worth, or what should I say? The, the juice was actually worth the squeeze for sitting around and watching the race. There you go. So that was awesome. It was awesome. So uh, I'm sure that a lot of people left Louisville uh, very mad because they lost a lot of money. <laughs> but <laughs> for, those of, for, those, uh, for those of you that listened last week, sorry we didn't pick the 80 to 1 horse that we didn't know was going to be in the race because a horse scratched the day before and they let this horse in. But clearly if we'd recorded the podcast on Saturday morning, I would have told you to pick the 80 to one horse. So sorry, we led you astray there, America. (laughs) So um, my bad, I'm going to keep this very short and sweet. Um, There is a lot of talk on the internet uh, with the kids that are out there on the internet and on Twitter and such things about how the men's lacrosse tournament is a joke. And they didn't let it in the right teams and we need to expand it. And look, I'm here as a, as somebody who is a noted uh, lacrosse apologist on this podcast. And I'm here to say that there's 16 teams, the right 16 teams made the playoffs. Now there is one argument. There's about 77 teams that play lacrosse, 16 teams make the playoffs. If you do the math on that, um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, for the tournament, for the lacrosse tournament that we have that actually started yesterday and is going through the end of the weekend. I think it's something like 24% of the teams that start the lacrosse season uh, end up going to the tournament. That is more than enough, and that is much higher than our current 68-team basketball team. Uh, The one team that, um, and this is why it's ACC-related, that does have a bone to pick is uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who do play lacrosse in the ACC. They do everything in the ACC with the exception of football. Get it together, Irish. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> they shared the ACC title 
for lacrosse. That's not a, a, a small thing to shake a stick at, if you get my lacrosse reference. With UVA, uh, UVA made the tournament. AC, or sorry, Notre Dame did not. Now, Notre Dame lost to the number one seed in the tournament, which is Maryland, and the number two seed in the tournament, which is Ohio State. Um, the reason why they didn't make the tournament is because they said that they lost to Duke, and they considered that a bad loss. Since when is Duke lacrosse? <laughs> considered a bad loss. Duke was also in the quote last four in with UVA. So I'd like to go on record as saying, well, I don't think the tournament should be expanded any year in which we have Delaware and Rutgers and a bunch of other no name schools from the like Wawa region uh, entering the tournament. And we do not have more than one school, one school out of the ACC. I'm not going to, I'm not even here to make a comment about North Carolina lacrosse. They did not deserve to go in, period, end of story. However, Duke and UVA did not be in the tournament. I believe they said it's the first time since 2005. Uh, we're in 2022, and I'm very bad at math, but that's a long time. So that's a bad tournament, just saying. Speaking of Duke, I'll go to my very quick uh, petty. So I have a good, a bad, bad, and a petty this week. Morgan, to bring in your uh, Red Sox uh, in Boston. Uh, I'll tie it back into the South. Um, I thought it was hysterical. I was wondering why all the Boston fans, when I was watching the Celtics series, were booing. And then I realized it was because Grayson Allen had checked in from the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I have no clue why Boston fans have a problem with Grayson Allen. I know everybody loves booing Grayson Allen in the NBA. It's been about six years since the kid has graduated. And the fact, the pettiness of the Boston fans to boo him in their own stadium when he clearly has nothing to do with Duke or North Carolina or tripping or anything other than that is just hysterical to me. Um, so I found that funny and topical. And then this was the best part. Um, and I feel like we need to up our level of uh, losses on this, on this podcast. Um, there was a guy named John Eckert, and I'll save you all the details, but Google it. I promise you it's, a, it's an article worth the read. He lost his fantasy football bet. Did you guys hear about this at all? No. Yeah, this was actually part of my good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I already had a petty, so <laughs> the petty, the pettiness of this is 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 incredible. This is no like pie to the face or like we're gonna ridicule you, even though we haven't ridiculed anyone for being in second place, by the way. But uh, uh, go ahead, do it. It's a perfect lead in for you, then. <laughs> so I was gonna uh, say that. So anybody who's ever watched uh, the TV show The League. They know how serious yeah. some people take fantasy Very football. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy football is a very serious thing for a lot of people. And that show is not that far off from reality on nope. um, how far a punishment goes for the person that wins, quote unquote, the Sacco, whoever has to uh, come in, unfortunately, come in last place. So a guy lost his fantasy football league and he has a punishment he has to do. <laughs> he had to try to qualify for the U.S. Open <laughs> as his fantasy football punishment. And he obviously utterly failed because I think he shot like a 112 or something ridiculous like that. He shot but, 40, 40 over. <laughs> yeah, 40 over. So like the guy, you know, I hats off to him for actually going through with it and trying to make a uh, PGA major at that, but not just a PGA uh, tournament on a weekend, but a PGA major try to qualify for that. But you know, it, this is to the links that uh, how far people take fantasy football being so serious. Like he lost. He knew what his punishment was and he went through with it. And he, had, he tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. Hilarious. Hats off to that guy. I mean, he, he's a real trooper in my book. <laughs> so there's there's three, that bad. there's three things that I'll bring up that makes it worse. One, he had to register and he had to lie about whether or not he was an amateur or professional. He had to say he was a professional because if he's an amateur, he had a certain score he had to meet. Or sorry, he had to no. I think I have it the other way around. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to say he was a professional. Okay. Which means he now has consequences. He will get a letter from the amateur union or whoever this is, USGA amateurs, whatever, that says he is no longer allowed to be an amateur now that he has decided that he is going pro. <laughs> And he also had to pay for it. And apparently it is very, very expensive to uh, register and do this. So don't think that he just showed up one day and, uh, and was able to do this. He had to pay a lot of money to then go out and suck up the place. And the best part, and I, I think it's something that I suck at golf. I know, Logan, you're a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. 
he some days, tell, maybe. <laughs> he had to tell people that were actually trying to qualify for the U.S. Open what he was doing, that he was playing with. And I think he said he did it on the third hole because he triple bogeyed the first three holes. And they're like, what the F, dude? And he was just like, yeah, so this is like a bet that I have to pay off. And they were like, just keep with the pace of play, man. <laughs> <laughs> because like a fourth thing I would add to that is, like uh, Dustin, I don't know. You don't play golf, so I don't know how much you like kind of get this. Golf is really separated by generations. Like y'all's age and my age on down, like we don't really look at golf as being you know, so uptight as much as the older generation does and people that are heavily involved with the professionals, they look at this as being like you're you're besmirching the idea of golf and the sanctity of golf because they're this they're the same they're the same old guys that don't like it when young dudes come to the course in Raleigh and play music and and crush their own beers and everything. It's it's against the idea of the honor of uh of the sport of golf, the integrity of the sport. Like I said, it's a very generational thing, but the fact that he did this so publicly and now he has articles written all about him and half the golf community is going to hate him for it. I don't think, like I said, hats off to that guy. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> but all right. So moving to my good um, this past week on Country Coke Cans, we had Coke Cans Network blogger Kenshin. Uh, he's the winner of the Miserable and Reckless bra- uh, Bracket Challenge. He made his first appearance on the Coke Cans podcast and um kenshin i've said it many times kenshin's a very funny guy he's a character in and of himself so he had some funny takes on some of the songs we were listening to so go check that out available wherever you get your podcast um the bad slash good i don't know it depends on how you if this is the sunshine uh police that wants to come in how you want to spend this but from the beginning of the uh we mentioned it a couple times so far on the podcast but first round of the nhl playoffs we had canes versus bruins um I'd been saying before the series started, I was like, Canes and six, Canes and six. Turns out it's going to be Canes and seven because tonight they lost game six. And I have cursed every team that I've ever uh, pulled for, meaning that if we're recording a podcast and they're playing that night or the next day and I'm wearing a piece of clothing or apparel from that team, they always lose. Happened to Duke twice this year on this podcast, happened to NC State once last year and happened to the Hurricanes now. So from now forward, I will never again while we're recording this podcast, ever wear a piece of apparel from a team that I hope wins. So honestly, at this point, I might just buy a Carolina shirt and wear the fucking thing just so they lose anytime we're recording a podcast. But like I said, Canes and seven is going back to Raleigh PNC arena. They've looked a lot better there than they have in Boston. So I'm calling it now Canes and seven. Overwhelming juju that always curses your teams instead of what you're doing. <laughs> hey look that's this is sports media baby <laughs> it's a hot take central <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's good the bad and the ugly all right let's see here moving right on in to once again we're bringing it back it's that time of the month song of the month where we pick uh three songs i have one pick ryan another and then we have a collab pick so ryan if you want to start things off what is your solo pick for song of the month sure I kind of struggled with this um, and I really wanted to pick another one, but I thought I would kind of screw up the playlist because it, it would uh, be very similar to our combo pick. So I'll save that for a little bit later. Um, my artist is, I actually listened to the two albums that we're going to talk about tonight, um, at least for my pick and the combo pick back to back. And my pick is a guy named David Nevery, N-E-V-O-R-Y, and this will be on our playlist. Um, and the name of the song is Asturias. I had to look it up because I was curious. Um, and then once I kind of understood the name of the song and I read a little bit more about it, I thought it was really cool. David Nevery has an album out right now. It's his debut album. The name of the album is Sea Gazing. That was enough to get me to kind of click on it on Spotify as a recommendation. Um, and of course, there's a you know nice beach scape and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, I live at the beach and I like going out and staring at the waves. So I clicked on it. Um, I realized once I read a little bit more about it and I read the lyrics and I listened to the song. um, First of all, it's a very pleasant song. It's very mellow. Um, I may not come across this way on the podcast, but I I tend to like to listen to mellow music. And you may have heard that. And over the last, we've now done this for a year, Logan. We've picked songs now for a year. So this is our our 12th month of doing this. Um, He wrote the song, Asturias because it's about a place that he went to with his family as a child 
and it was a beachside community and he didn't live at the beach and he didn't have the easiest childhood. And so when he got to go to the beach, it was a place for him to kind of heal. And it was a place that he could always look forward to. And uh, you can hear this in his lyrics um, when he's writing about this place. <clears throat> he says, uh, he says, uh, you're a bit like the weather. You can make me feel free. Um, that's one of the things he said, you get attached to the water and the wind on your skin, all the weight that you carry, let it sink right in. That's another lyric from the course. Um, you get attached to the water and the sound of the sea. Every minute is worth it. I don't care if the sky falls down. on. And, uh, that's the main course, right? Um, what I thought was so interesting about this is uh, I, I can definitely relate. I didn't have a hard childhood, but I didn't have an easy childhood. And uh, oftentimes I was able to get a chance to go visit my grandparents at the beach. And I felt when I moved to this community that we live in now, in a certain way, I felt like I was kind of replicating the ability to go to the beach. Um, when we moved in, I really liked it because it reminded me of my grandparents' community. I'm not going to mince any words. And um, <clears throat> What I also found out about this uh, singer songwriter is that he was a swimmer and uh, I also swam a lot. So this isn't so much about me as it is the lyrics. And he basically said that when he sank into the pool, a lot of the weight that he was carrying from things that weren't going right or things that he was struggling with, you feel weightless in the water. And that's definitely a thousand percent something I can relate to. So I thought that this was a very interesting song and it really kind of grabbed my attention. I would, the name again of the song is, uh, it's a guy named David Nevery. And the name of his album is Sea Gazing. And there's the entire album is actually about uh, going to the beach or the way that the water um, can impact you and, and, and uh, the way that it's, it's, it's very mellow, but um, it's, it's the way it can impact you. And I thought it was a really, really, really interesting album. And I kind of struggled which, with, with which song to pick, but I figure if you're going to go uh, to tell people to listen to a song, you got to make it personal, right? So that's why I picked this song. Speaking of uh, song kind of like making it personal, Dustin, I think that you might actually have some input on this one. But um, my net, my pick for this month is a new song that just came out this past Friday. Probably at this point, one of, if not the most popular guy in mainstream country. But it's a Morgan Wallen song that just came out called uh, Thought You Should Know. It's actually funny enough. Uh, he co-wrote it with one of the Nashville songwriters and also Miranda Lambert. She's a co-writer on this song. Um, but it's just, I, I had initially heard it on YouTube when he played it acoustically and kind of put the video out there maybe a year ago at this point. But I, it was fun to hear the studio version because, you know, sometimes the studio version with the full production can be very different from the just acoustic and vocals. <clears throat> this song in particular is a song that's basically a letter to his mother in a lot of ways. And um, it's with the context of knowing just like uh, some of the... Uh, uh, a lot of the things that he's gone through over the last couple of years and a lot of it that he's brought on himself, obviously. Um, but just kind of like the kind of the weight that he's felt of things that he's done, like things that ha where his life, he, he has a line that Dustin and I have mentioned in um, one song that it says, mama, don't pray for my success anymore, but mama still prays for me. It, this kind of feels almost like a successor to that song where he's calling his mom and he's uh, like basically asking her about how things are at home um you know how telling her kind of what's going on in his life and that there's a the the line right before the first and the third chorus i believe it is it it really kind of sticks out to me where he says yeah i know you've been worrying about me you've been losing sleep since 93 and then he gets into the chorus which is this is probably my favorite part of the song where it says thought you should know that all those prayers you thought you wasted on me must have finally made their way on through and it's kind of like you know kind of seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel after you've gone through some dark times is essentially what how I've kind of taken this song and how I my interpretation of it, and um, then like another part of the chorus is like he's like saying, uh, "Yeah, I'm still proud of where I came from. Still your only damn son. Can you believe I'm on the radio? I just thought you should know. Just thought you should know. Just kind of like at the same time taking a step back, seeing the success and the bad things that he's gone through has kind of brought him to where he's at, and wondering like kind of like how in some ways he's kind of a tipping his cap to his mother and how you know important she is in his life and how uh if it wasn't for those around him he probably wouldn't be where he's at um i, I think it's a fantastic song i it's sonically it's got um pedal steel is pretty heavy in it and dustin and i were texting about this when it came out and funny enough it came out um mother's day weekend 
And I think that was purposeful, um, obviously, but um, it, it, it really is like we're kind of seeing in Morgan Wallen's career kind of like peak Morgan Wallen. I think, Dustin, you said that um that I, th- I think this is where we're going to look back at this era of his career is kind of like where the fans of Dirk Bentley and Eric Church look at the first three records of their career being like they've had good music since then but this was like the prime of their career in a lot of ways and I like when it comes to creative output and I think that's kind of where we're at with Morgan Wallen and I, I I recommend this song a lot especially like you know for those that have close relationships with family members it doesn't have to be a mother but it's, it's kind of like resonates with you on that level. Yeah. Um, I'd echo that. I think that, uh, it, he's been on an interesting, well, one peak Morgan Wallen for sure. This is the best, like he's on a hell of a ride right now. And I, I do think it's a lot like early Eric Church or early Dirk Bentley. And, uh, I'm sure he'll go and make a lot of good music, but I don't think it's going to get better what he's doing right now. Um, I think he kind of, un- like this song is great because I think he kind of unintentionally like had a journey. So the song you referenced living the dream was on the, the dangerous double album. Um, not the one you're talking about today, but the, the line about mama don't pray for my success anymore. But mama still prays for me. That song was before like kind of everything went nuts for him. Then when he came, when he was getting on the other side of that, some friends of his wrote, um, don't think Jesus done it that way or something like that. Um, his name of the, or I think it's just don't think Jesus. And they had wrote it for him and sent it to him. And he ended up recording that, putting it on YouTube. And he put it out as a, as a single as well. And that kind of was like a progression of like him coming to terms with where he was at. And then now this song is kind of like almost like closes the loop. And so in a way he unintentionally had this, these like three songs that kind of loop all together. Um, which I find really interesting because it really tells the story of where his life has been for about two years now. Like, if you want to know what the past two years of his life has been like, li- listen to Living the Dream, Don't Think Jesus, and then this song. And it it tells the story. And so that, that's why I think it's so powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that because, you know, it... it it is not like that he just made like one mistake and then that kind of he he had a litany of mistakes that he had made over the course of like one year uh, a lot of different things that he did that he he was out in the public eye got caught for and you know reality was he was a 26 27 year old male who uh who who had lots of money and was drunk and was doing dumb things and then kind of it's the redemption arc that people kind of look for whether it's in a movie or whether it's real life or whether it's with artists that it's like these songs kind of encapsulate um, that kind of idea, that kind of theme, that I think that it, it draws people to that. So, but definitely check that out. Morgan Wallen, thought you should know. All right, so now we're to the collab pick. Uh, this was one that Ryan had kind of teased a little bit without saying it. I think believe on it was either on last week's episode or right after we quit recording. So, uh, Ryan, I'm gonna let you introduce the collab pick for this month. All right, so I think. I'm pretty sure I'm on record as either picking or saying that very close that my song that most closely represented me was penned by a certain uh, female from Oklahoma um, <laughs> for my for my life story. And I, I still unfortunately have to stick to that. And that is Miss Miranda Lambert um, and her vice, Way to These Wings. The reason why I bring uh, off of the album, Way to These Wings, the reason why I bring that up is... Uh, I'll draw it full circle with what you guys were just talking about. And this is actually something I was thinking about earlier this morning when I knew we were going to pick this song. Uh, with great suffering, oftentimes comes great art, whether that's lyrics or uh, with pain, you learn good lessons, etc. cetera. Uh, Miranda Lambert uh, has put out some very good albums. She's been very prolific, but uh, it has definitely come at a cost. And she put out a new album, Alamina, and it came out last Friday. Keep me honest. I believe so. Yeah. Sound. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It was either last Friday or the one before. I can't remember off the top of my head. April 29th. I think it was two Fridays ago. Um, and uh, and um, I think that it is an album of healing for her. And I'm not going to go further into it. I'm just going to say that I think that she's 
finally starting to uh, come out of the divorce and the 2020 and all the other different side effects of everything else, not touring. And, and I think that this is her, she had the Marfa tapes. I'm, I'm building up for a reason. She had the Marfa tapes, which is a well-known um, uh, album where they, her and two of her friends went down to Texas. And I felt like it was almost a release for them. And I'm, I'm not uh, putting words into her mouth. I'm saying that this is, this is what they pretty much have told everyone that would listen. Um, and, uh, and once you kind of are able to release the stuff that's inside of you, I think you kind of get to go back to who you are. And, and um, once you kind of lift the weight, right, then you realize what, what, what the shoulders were underneath of it. And you can kind of stand up and look in the mirror and say like, okay, this is who I am now. I, don't, I can take the mask off and whether it's pain or anything else. And I think uh, the reason why I connect so intimately and immediately with this song is uh, the name of the, have we mentioned the name of the song? The name of the song is Tourist off of her new album, Helamina. And the reason why I connected with it intimately is because I have been many a place uh, in my life, many a continent in my life. And I feel that I have often and always usually been there alone. Uh, I'm coming up on my third wedding anniversary and I've known my wife for a period of time, but I've often traveled for work. And then before work, I've often traveled overseas for work. And then before that, I've done other things where I've often, often and always been on my own, it seems like. And uh, I'm not sure if that's self-imposed or not. And I really like some of the lyrics in here uh, where she's talking about being a tourist. I don't know where I belong. Nowhere feels like home. I mean, guys, if you've listened to any of the podcast, you've heard me talk about how Wilmington is my home because I didn't really have one until I was 19. Um, I own a home. I think I'm, yeah, I'm the only person on this podcast that owns a home and I don't feel like I have a home. So that should tell you all you need to know right there. <laughs> uh, I roam from town to town. I mean, does this not sound like the road trips and the vacations that I take? I, I go on vacation so I can roam from town to town. Um, I, laugh a lo- I laugh away the lonely. I give the local bar a whirl. I mean, if that doesn't sound like going to the Bowery, I don't know what it, <laughs> what it is. I want to see it all. I mean, anyone that's been on a vacation or anyone that's been on a trip with me knows that I'm not real good about sitting still. Um, I keep moving. I'm just a tourist. I'll take a couple of memories, but I won't stay behind. I'll never be a number on a population side. Um, also, there's one other thing. There's actually, there's two other things and I'll give it to you, I promise. I like when she talks about, uh, uh, mama always told me to travel light. I can tell you a bunch of stories about going on the road with these guys and they're dragging suitcases behind them, luggage carriers behind them and everything else. And I got my little overnight bag over my arm and I'm just like ready to go. Cracks me up. (laughs) That part cracked me up. And then the other part was at the very end and it got me. Um, and, uh, I'm specifically thinking of, uh, Denver and Nashville, just watching the guys just drag stuff as we're going to the liquor store in Nashville. But anyways, um, the other thing that cracked me up is at the very end, um, the, I'll see you when I see you. There's a line. If you listen to the song at the very end. And, uh, and it's funny when I heard that, I, 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 you know, I got a little emotional because when I see my nieces, that's my favorite thing to say to them. And they always kind of like bristle at that in a funny way. They're always like, oh, Uncle Ryan, we'll see you. And I'm like, well, I'll see you when I see you guys. And they're like, oh, Uncle Ryan. And they do this hand, hand thing. Where they... <laughs> so when I heard her say, I'll see you when I see you, I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's just, it could have been more autobiographical. So thank you, Miranda, for singing a song that makes me feel good. And, and honestly, I've never heard somebody sound so happy about being so lonely and so, so uh twitchy shall we say on the road yeah like i i agree this was probably the song that initially grabbed me first when i listened to this record it was then this one and then um waxahachie was the second one but this one was the first one that i kind of it it really hit me and i generally like 100 percent agree with like your take on that song and i then the more i got to listen to it the more i think there was kind of a unintended second meaning that kind of can be fit towards uh Miranda Lambert in particular with this if anybody that knows like her personal history like you you kind of mentioned with her relationships and everything this song on the surface and what I think it's actually about is just about you know like you said being on the road being a touring artist like kind of not having a place that's home but at the same time you've heard people talk about how when they find the one that they're supposed to be with they they're finally in love not just loving somebody they say it feels like home 
if you know Miranda Lambert's kind of like personal history with like ups and downs, um, don't have to go into all that. But I mean, obviously, it's been out on the internet for a long time. Like you know, it kind of it the the lines kind of have take a different meaning if you think about it in that context. Like where it goes in the chorus that you mentioned. I don't know where I belong. It might sound foolish, but yeah, nowhere feels like home. I mean, it could be at the same time that uh, all these different relationships were just stops along the way in her overall journey. And then there's that uh, the pre-chorus before the first chorus where it says, because there's always a stranger in my soul who loves a good goodbye and a good hello. It's kind of like the end of something that's kind of flamed out when it comes to the relationship aspect. And then the exciting new beginning when you uh, you find something new. But at the same time, you're just a tourist. You know, it's not going to last very long. You're just kind of hopping from town to town looking trying to trying to find that that uh that that next stop kind of because it it just doesn't feel like home like i think there's a second kind of underlying meaning with her um with this if you kind of know the history of of her personal life in that regard that i don't think was intended honestly but i think that it kind of fits it if you you look at it in that context so i i love songs that kind of have multiple can be multiple meanings especially if it, it pertains to the artist that's putting it out but like I said, this song, like you said, it's very, um, it's very kind of like happy sounding, even though it's depending on who you talk to, maybe a happy uh, song may not be a happy song. I guess it's all a matter of perspective, but it's a happy sounding song that's that's really, really funny about that. Um, those things, it's like you can drive down the road and listen to this and people that don't listen to lyrics will be like, this song's fun. But at the same time, you, the masochist who love sad songs would be like, yeah. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so it's like it, it, it's a little bit something for everybody. So definitely check out "Tourist" by Miranda Lambert. And if you listen to our playlist, you'll find that uh, we've we've done a whole year now. So maybe I'll maybe I'll post a link to it on the blog. I haven't written anything in a while, so <laughs> maybe people can go listen to a year of of Logan and Ryan sad songs. Make it happen. <laughs> That's right. And look, I'm just gonna say we played it when we were on the camping trip, and I. If I my opinion counts for anything, it was a pretty damn good playlist. So <laughs> definitely just, check it out. You're sitting around the campfire and you go, man, we made one hell of a playlist. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're looking at me. We made the playlist. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just got to pat yourself on the back, you know? <laughs> it's not you. Who? Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's this, uh, this month's song of the month. All right, Morgan, we got some college football news, man. Yeah, so bring it up here. The, uh, <clears throat> let's see, the NCAA Football Oversight Committee earlier this week was recommending that conferences, conferences no longer be required to have divisions to hold a conference championship game. So with that said, the ACC is now deciding to try and move closer to adopting a new football scheduling format that would scrap divisions and give teams an opportunity to play each other more frequently. And this is probably starting as early as 2023. Um, they're essentially trying to think about just doing away with having the Atlantic versus the Coastal altogether, which... Some people are going to love and you know, some people are going to hate, you know, it, but it's not like it's something that's been there for 50 or 60 years. I mean, uh, the, the splitting of the conference into two divisions just started in 2005 when Boston College decided to join and make it an even 12. Um, so with that said, you know, they're moving towards a three, five, five scheduling model in which they would have three permanent teams they play every year and then um they would rotate the rest over a two-year period five one year and five the next so with that said what are you guys thinking about that what are y'all feeling it's about fucking time that's what i think (laughs) this has been the most pointless endeavor ever that's ever happened. I understand the rules when it comes to having to have comp- for a certain amount. If you want a conference championship, you have to have divisions. Dumbest thing I've ever seen. We saw in 2020, it's unnecessary. There should, and I get that this was all planned in 2004 when the teams were different. Like Miami was coming three years removed from a national title. Virginia Tech was still going to Orange Bowls and winning 10, 11 games. Florida State was still Florida State. And Clemson was a solid eight to nine win team. But 
It ain't 2004 anymore, and it's a ridiculous uh, assertion that a seven and five, which has happened more than once, seven and five team should be representing a division to play in a conference championship against a Clemson or a Florida State. It should be the two best teams, and we have uh, tiebreakers for a reason. My opinion is, as the Atlantic representative on this podcast, about damn time. Ding dong, the witch is finally fucking dead. I, I agree because it does, like, as you said, it's <laughs> It, it's you know it like I said it screws over teams like let's say there's three teams in, in the Atlantic that all had you know eight, nine wins ten wins eleven wins and then you know the coastal over there everyone beat the crap out of each other and UNC won with seven wins you know and they they get to go play in the ACC championship game against Clemson and get their ass kicked meanwhile State or you, you know is sitting there going what the hell are we gonna do. Oh, we gotta go play the Monarchy Car Care Bowl because we didn't get to play in the championship game. Why do you hate parody? Why do you hate parody amongst your peers? That's <laughs> all it is. Simply parody. Carolina won 10 games, played Clemson to overtime. There was an onside kick, and I'm sorry we didn't win the championship. When did you win 10 games? When did Carolina ever win 10 games? They did it, they did it in 2015. But you know, one time, okay, yeah, one time. That's why it's very fresh in my memory, Morgan. That's also why he keeps bringing it up. I always have to hear about that onside kick. Yeah, but Morgan, Morgan's only eighty-one wins. Only eighty-one wins since uh, since twenty ten. So don't let him chirp up too much. You know, I'm just picking on your angle. (laughs) I think it's more like three hundred twenty-eight by my count. Morgan, can I can I riff on something that you just said? that I didn't want to text you guys about earlier. Remember how you said that there were teams that were, would be in the coastal or the Atlantic and vice versa, and they would get kind of screwed over with this. So Logan, you sent something earlier and it had all the different teams and it had the potentials for their rivals, right? So the three teams, Morgan, you mentioned this, the three teams they would have to play would be the rivals. So they would play them every single year. Oh, you got it. Perfect. Okay. I say, I was looking at it on my phone. So, um, the one that, and I'm not usually an apologist for these guys, but the one that just jumped out to me, it seemed extremely unfair, right? North Carolina, Duke, NC State, and Wake Forest. First of all, I have a problem with, uh, and I know all the NC State people will grow, but I have a problem with the way that the rivals are, are situated there, but that's fine. It should be NC State first. Anyways, Georgia Tech, um, they're screwed. They went from playing a bunch of coastal teams to playing Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville. God forbid any of those teams get good again. I mean, Clemson's still very good. Florida State is, is I mean, like, should we just kiss Georgia Tech goodbye? Should we just, just go play with Georgia anyways? No sympathy. We do that every year since 2005. Zero sympathy. Fuck them. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I know, I know the 404 is supposed to be producing good talent down there, but, I mean, my goodness, they, jump, they basically jumped from – the old coastal to the to the new non-division mainly you're playing the atlantic i mean that's- yeah they got they got tech wanting to play their permanent ones being miami syracuse and uva obviously my uva would be the rivalry i i get the miami thing but but not really i mean but I syracuse, it's, it's it's the big east i know i know yeah, but it just it, it, syracuse isn't really much of a threat i mean I that's a good thing. You should be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, okay, I laughed when I saw Syracuse because I was I'll like, "Oh man, maybe there's something that Morgan's been been agitating for." I'll I'll <laughs> take it because that's a fucking easy win. We don't even have to show up. We can just well, our I think, I think you, you do actually have to show up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't show up, that's a forfeit. I mean, you're right. I, you that's not up. true. Ask UCLA. Fuck them too. <laughs> you know, but unless, it just, unless you're playing NC State, then you can just win win by default. Yeah, I get it. It just, I would have picked, man, I don't know if I would pick somebody. Yet. Well, who would you have picked instead? Pitt? Maybe Pitt. Robbery wise, Pitt would make more sense than Syracuse yeah. based on the Big East. I agree. Well, and Pitt and Virginia Tech have more of like that mountain, you know, atmosphere. But it just, I, you know, I get it that Syracuse with the rivalry back in the Big East, but whatever. I mean, if they do three five five, let's be honest. The only reason that they're picking three rivals is because four of the founding members of the Dagon Conference want to all play each other every year. Yeah. The reason, the reason that there's going to be three rivals is because 
there are four North Carolina schools who are charter founding members of the conference, and we all want to be scheduling each other every single year. <laughs> That's why there's three rivals. No other co- school in the conference has three teams that they actually want to play year in and year out. It's just that, us. That's but you accurate. know what? You didn't found the conference, so sorry about it. Don't that's care a, that you have to play Syracuse. That that's accurate because <laughs> Dustin, like we don't play Duke except for once every six years, which is a travesty. We have entire graduating classes that go for four years and play there. They can even go for five years in redshirt and don't play Duke once, and they're twenty yeah, something miles silly. away. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Is now when we get to talk about how Wake Forest has been riding our coattails for forty five years. The team with the most recent <laughs> ACC uh, championship and most I'm recent not, ACC I'm, title week's uh, uh, appearance. What was their What was their record? Where was that one of the seven and five teams Morgan was referencing? Not this year. I don't remember. I, I block out anything. I, I, you know what? I didn't remember because I was hanging out with Logan. That's why I didn't see it. <laughs> I was at the travesty of a NC State North Carolina game. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, how do you guys, how do you guys feel? Do you think this would make it more fair at the end of the day for, for everyone? I mean, I mean, that's going to be in the eye of the beholder. First of all. Yeah. Yeah. The seven and five, you know, the seven win team out of the coast. So doesn't get to go play for the ACC championship anymore. Yeah. I mean, too. Yeah. It's completely in the eye of the beholder teams in the Atlantic who aren't Clemson or Florida State will be happy about it. Everybody else on some level yeah. is disadvantaged by it. Um, oh, yeah. And and like you just let's say that this this particular graphic is what comes to be, which may or may not be true. The one thing that we know is if they do three rivals, the, the four North Carolina schools are going to be grouped together. Outside of that, oh, yeah. who knows? That, that based on go ahead. But based off of what we're looking at here, if you're Georgia Tech, you're going to be pissed. Um, yeah. You know, like it. If you're, I mean, I guess Miami can't really complain, but you know, like if you just go through the list, there's going to be some teams who are pissed about it. And I, and Narduzzi at Pitt, he's like, he's not happy about it because he wants to be able to win the, the coastal and, and go to the championship. I mean, divisions is this conference's backbone, you know, that, that is true. But since y'all just want to scrap it, might as well. Might as well uh, make everybody unhappy, except for Logan. And then NC State will probably get terrible once he gets his wish. I have no sympathy for the Georgia Tech. I don't understand the Georgia Tech sympathy. Ask Boston College, ask Wake Forest, ask NC State, ask Maryland when they were still in the conference. Who gives a shit if they have to play Clemson? And I don't have sympathy. I'm just we've simply been do- pointing out. We've been doing that would, since 2005. We've we- been doing it since 2005. Zero, zero sympathy. Yeah, back of a conference when they haven't been doing it for less than damn twenty years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back, back, back. When you say back on that, that's what I think like 50, 60 years. Like this is something that's not even twenty years in the you know going on, and they're just like, yeah, this is no longer working. You know, Georgia Tech. You mentioned them. I was thinking of them as well when I read this earlier, and the first thing that came to my mind was the movie The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler and and the guy Bruce who doesn't get to play. now i'll never get to play georgia tech's like like, we're screwed (laughs) if we gotta compete i would just uh, complete one whole conference to see who the two top teams get to go georgia tech is like might as well just pack up the damn football stadium and go on home i mean let's bring up another point here again this is all based on who's been good historically florida state sucks louisville sucks Let's not act like that they are like have been some major power in the last five years. Florida State was good in 2014, and that that was the last time. That's been a while now. I couldn't legally buy a beer in 2014. That tells you how long ago that was. So it, it, it's definitely going to rotate the team. Yeah. There will be more than two or three teams that are fighting for that that two two you know two spots every year. There's going to be quite a few, I think, as the years go on, but. I mean, Syracuse and Georgia Tech, let's just be honest, that's not happening. (laughs) Syracuse, I think, is always going to suck in football. But the reality is, and I don't even want this thinking that it's under some illusion that it's going to make NC State be in the championship game, because that's not it. It's There are many years that we had really good years that even if we had had this format, we still, based on the records that existed, we still wouldn't have made the ACC title game. It's more of all the years that Clemson and Florida State were good. And that that was, like I said, what, a decade ago, but all the years that they both were good and it really came down to who won that game for the Atlantic division went on to play 
the sisters of the poor from the coastal to be able to determine the champion when in reality they should have had a rematch of some sort. I mean, that, that's just if if we did it in 2020, there's a roadmap there. It's not like it's theoretical anymore. We know what to do. We can make it work like the you shouldn't have to rely on divisions in order to have champions. And let's go on and just throw it out there too. the the coastal hasn't always been piss poor all the way around. There have been some years where they've had a really good team. Miami's had some pretty good years. Pitt was really good last year. Um, The reality is, though, the years that they weren't, you have years where your schedule is unbalanced because you play predominantly teams from your division. So your your schedule could be a little inflated that if you had been across uh, in the other division, you might not have been six and six. You might have been three and nine or four and eight. So I think that this doesn't necessarily fix the unbalanced scheduling because there are people that are going to have qualms about this. But I don't think that anybody that tries to say that the four North Carolina schools are getting the best of this because in reality, Wake Forest has been a pretty solid football program. State and Carolina have their years. Duke, what, nine years ago, uh, went 10 and three. They, they won nine games a year after that. So it's like everybody kind of, to y'all's point, it, it is cyclical. I just think it's more fair when you actually have you go by win percentage or you go by the record with tiebreakers overall, rather than just saying, well, you're in this division, so you can win. You can go four and four or five and three and win the division versus over here. You have to go seven and one, eight and oh, or maybe hope for a three-way tie at six and two and hope that you own the tiebreaker in order to make the conference title. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. This is just pods. This is basically just pods. Essentially. I mean, it's, it's essentially what it is. I think the only, my only point is, like, and I don't really care if, about this, it, that it may, it, the, the setup is to make the North Carolina schools happy, which I'm fine with because don't care that the rest of the conference doesn't like it. But the, <laughs> but if, if you're one of these other schools, if you're Syracuse or your Pitt or whatever, like you really don't have three teams that you want to play year in and year out. And I think that kind of sucks for them. But again, don't really care because it's silly that, you know, the North Carolina schools don't play each other every year. They should play every year. Can I potentially solve it? Can I, for those that know about the ACC, can I Jim Swafford this? And can I, can I take her? No, another no, because we're not, we're not doing anything in Carolina's favor. So no, we're not going to Jim Swafford anything. Well, I mean, Jim Swafford really brought us to another level. He really thought outside the box. What if John yeah, Swafford, we have, by the way, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I didn't think that was right, but I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Good point. Well, fine. I'm going to bubble coming in this. No. Okay. No. Um, no. <laughs> just, just say what you're going to say and stop trying to make everything about Carolina. No. I wrote this in uh, earlier. I'm curious. What about there are some very solid out of conference rivals, and would it? I don't know how it's fair to bring them into this. Um, but for example, we know that Miami's rival is not local. <laughs> and we know that Georgia Tech's third rival is not Louisville. I'm 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 sensing a theme here. And um <laughs> we know that Florida State's rival is not Georgia Tech. If you get where I'm going, Clemson should play South Carolina, Georgia Tech should play Georgia, Florida it's State will Florida. Um, what happens if Notre Dame shows up? We really, really want. They won't. Them. We really, really want them to show up. I get that we can redo the math, and it'll be three, six, five, or whatever. But then they've got to play BC, Navy. I just—is this short-sighted? Is this a reactionary move? And we're now yeah. eliminating uh, things that could be good in the benefit. Again, you get my Swafford reference in the in the benefit of the North Carolina schools. Are we? Are we eliminating rivalries that could be good and could be? I'm I'm not gonna. I was never gonna turn this on, but I'm not gonna turn on Boston College versus Pittsburgh because I think it's a rivalry game every year. It's well, just, think about it this way. Let's take it from the abstract and put it to the reality of modern college football. There is a turf war and an arms race with these conferences. So who gives a damn about the SEC rivalries? If we want to exist as a conference and continue, we have to do what's best for the ACC and not worry about Florida, not worry about South Carolina, not worry about Georgia. They ain't worried about us, so screw them. That's the way I look at it. 
let's worry about making sure the ACC is the strongest in the football position that it is. And I think that in this particular scenario, we have a better opportunity of the cream rising to the top and teams that are better off playing for the championship and then better off making the New Year Six Bowls than we do with the current format. Um, it, it could turn out like the CFP and it could turn out to be worse. We don't know. But the reality is I'm not worried about the SEC rivals. I'm not worried about if there even exists a big, big 10 rival. I'm worried about what's best for the conference. Cause if, if we're stuck in the ACC being the Wolfpack, I don't want it to, I, I don't want it to fold and be stuck in the conference with ECU. So I think it's w- what's best for the ACC is what's best for me at this point because of the turf wars and the arms race that's emerged in recent years, uh, amongst the power five. So and, and devil's advocate, if I was the SEC, I would pick Clemson, Georgia Tech, and, and uh, Florida State. Here's why. Because the fans at Clemson, Florida State, and Georgia Tech care more about the SEC rivals than they do about anybody in the SEC. Well, my point of that is, do they have a uh, trophy for the, uh, uh, the Clemson-South Carolina rivalry? I don't know, but I know they got the textile bowl that gets given to the NC State-Clemson rival every year. And right now, it currently resides in Raleigh because of that double overtime win last year. So the I textile bowl champions are in Raleigh. I don't know if they have. Who knows if they have a championship bowl, uh, some type of trophy to give to the Clemson South Carolina rivalry. Look, but this doesn't impact. This doesn't impact non conference at all. Like it only impacts in conference. It has no impact on like playing whoever you want to play outside of your normal schedule. Also, if Notre, I do have this the. One, Notre Dame's not going to join the conference in football. But two, if they want to, we just get rid of Syracuse. It's, it's a really easy, easy decision. And we'll call it the Morgan Initiative because Morgan is the first one that, uh, <laughs> that said this, and I'm 100% on board with Morgan. Get rid of the Syracuse people. We don't need them. Yeah, Morgan, um, do, you, do you think we can sell T-shirts on our blog that have some sort of, like, Syracuse is canceled or, like, <laughs> like an orange getting squashed or something like this. Like we got to be able to come up with something creative. That's not going to get us sued. That we can <laughs> like, um, like it's like, okay, Syracuse, get on, get. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a way we can do it. And especially if you end up with Virginia tech being a rival of Syracuse, if we can make them in orange, then they could wear them in Blacksburg. And we could we could bring them to Blacksburg like we were talking about going to. That'd be awesome. We we would sell like hotcakes. I'm just saying, there's got to be a way to do this. Oh, there's definitely got to be a way. All these other uh, blogs and podcasts that sell these things, there ain't no way they have all these licensing deals to use some of the stuff they do. Morgan says, "Get on, get." And then on the back, it's just got an orange. What do you could have like <laughs> a we could have a picture of like all the mascots in a in a in a building or a room with the lights off the door locked and Syracuse on the outside knocking and uh maybe like a sign says uh no no vacancy or something <laughs> we could just have there a orange go. on it and say the weakest link <laughs> uh, I like that sorry I may have derailed us with t-shirt ideas <laughs> didn't need to be on the internet now everybody's gonna steal them <laughs> Heard it here first. T-shirts. Trademark. Can't take it. <laughs> That's how that works, right? Yeah, yeah, we said it. It's like when Michael Scott declared bankruptcy. We're declaring <laughs> trademark. As the, the uh, most versed in bird law, I, that is exactly how it, it works. <laughs> I didn't say it. I declared it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Now, one one thing about this, though, they said that if this happens, it'll happen by 2023. So that actually is encouraging to me because I do like that it's not pushed off like the the Texas always horns down Oklahoma um, move to the SEC where they announce it or it gets leaked, so to speak. And then it doesn't happen for like five years. I like that if it's going to happen and all the signs point to that, it probably some variation of this. We're not saying this graphic will be the case because this was by a sports writer in Mississippi with no ties to the office in Greensboro. But if some variation of this happens, I like that it would be likely happening by next season. What do you guys think about that? About not being kind of pushed to kicking the can down the road, as they say in DC. I like it. I mean, if you're going to do it, get right into it. 
don't 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 toy with it. Oh, we're gonna do it. It'll be by twenty thirty two. Like, okay, that well, that's pointless. I mean, clearly, so Phillips Commissioner Phillips came in saying like he's gonna nothing's off the table, right? That was his point when he came in as as commissioner. So, if he's serious about that, then yeah, let's do the things we can do to strengthen the conference and go from there. So, I mean, it. I, I'd rather if they're going to do it. I'd rather them not drag their feet. Just go ahead and do it. My yeah. team's not winning the conference anyway, so I really don't care. They talk to me in basketball season <laughs> and lacrosse season until the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things, though, that, like you said, uh, Commissioner Phillips wants it to be a football conference because he sees the writing on the wall and everybody with a brain knows that football is going to be the driving force behind Power 5 existence and Power 5 dominance. It isn't going to be basketball. It isn't the 80s and 90s, uh, much to the chagrin of many of us AC, well, traditional ACC fans, but it's football. And the difference in Phillips and Swafford is that this kind of Swafford, just to pay lip service, would bring it up every couple years and. Debbie Yao was very vocal about how every Atlantic team voted yes, every Coastal team voted no, but Phil, uh, Phillips uh, Swafford would be like, oh, my hands are tied. There's no consensus on this. Look, it looks like that. I don't think that either of these, um, either the programs from the Coastal or the Atlantic have changed their mind. I just think that Phillips has a backbone, and he's coming in saying, look, we're going to have to make some changes for the existence of the conference. So I'm, I, it's encouraging to see a commissioner that's coming in thinking football first i add one more thing before you take it off the screen yeah we've talked about this in the past and i don't want to go down a rabbit hole with it wouldn't adding west virginia make a lot of sense for a lot of these rivalries if we get rid of syracuse yes yeah well that's what i'm saying pittsburgh virginia and virginia tech i mean there's your third right there right i mean yeah i'd be happy to get rid of cuse boston college well, Boston College is probably, I mean, we've, I feel like we've done this for 80 episodes, but Phil Jerkovic, this is the year, man. <laughs> yeah, don't care. Boston College and, and Syracuse <laughs> could go. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not even really that excited about Pitt. They could leave too. I'm not really interested in them either. And can we kick Louisville out too? <laughs> Might as well. That would give us, uh, that would help keep it even. That would be four teams kicked out. You guys are like the U.S. Air Force, just zeroing in on targets. All right, so basically, we just want these four teams, and that'll be our problem. Exactly. <laughs> the The funny thing about Louisville inclusion, though, m- means that the West Virginia potential inclusion in the future could be a thing. The reason West Virginia, who wanted in back in like 2010 or whatever the last yeah. big realignment was, was they said because of academics. Well, when we included Louisville, we knew that was a farce because Louisville. <laughs> is a substandard ACC academic school compared to the rest of the conference. And so once, once we let them in, like we might as well just let the Mountaineers in. Yeah. Cause if there's one thing this conference stands for, it's academics. Well then that's an easy fix. They can go get West Virginia and Notre Dame and we can play a three, six, six. And maybe we still get coastal Carolina over Syracuse because I still don't want Syracuse in that scenario. Nobody wants them. <laughs> I still think we should trade Georgia Tech for Ole Miss. It's kind of, it's kind of like the Toby joke. Even his own family doesn't. <laughs> Syracuse is the Toby Flinderson of the ACC. <laughs> if, if I will, if money didn't matter, and it does matter, but if money didn't matter, the Mississippi schools would probably be very happy to not have to play in the SEC. Anymore. Yep. And, and would be very happy to come play us year in and year out. And they work. They're the wine and cheese world. Well, one, one, crowd. One, one school is a wine and cheese crowd, and one school is more of a, you know, a moo you. So. Salt of the earth, real Americans. Sure. Whatever you want. <laughs> but wiser. <laughs> Cowbells. <laughs> so. nah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Well, Morgan, uh, speaking of things changing, changing yeah. similar to canceling, do you have something to cancel for us this week? Well, uh, somewhat, 
kind of not not permanently canceling more of a a changing of the colors of the seasons for how we handle the certain segment um so with that said welcome back to another rousing episode of morgan's cancel corner cancel but more like probation <laughs> um, so as y'all know for a while there we were doing a southern spotlight every week where one of us would pick something to highlight talk about the business and what have you and whatnot and um it got to be the point i think where some of us were trying our best to find something to spotlight <laughs> so with that said we or i or i guess all of us we are temp we are moving southern spotlight from being once a week to once a month and will be hosted by uh ryan angle but you put my whole name out on the internet yeah. Damn right. <laughs> so if so. you don't like these southern spots you know who to blame yeah. <laughs> if you go to them just leave a redneck <laughs> review <laughs> And expect nothing but Southern boutiques every every <laughs> month from Ryan and True. stuff about bushes and flowers and, and whatnot. Fair trade. <laughs> so with that said, Southern Spotlight, you have been permanently moved from once a week to once a month. Tune in next week to see who I cancel next. Same canceled channel, same canceled time. And so, sort of, sort of. <laughs> adjusted, adjusted. <laughs> yeah, adjusted. <laughs> Unlike the permanent cancellation of minor league standings. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad segment. <laughs> yeah, it, la- it was like good for like a week and a half, and then that, like, by week three, we were just like, okay, I didn't pay no, attention. I think, to I think by, by week two, we were like, oh god, what are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You guys, want know, you guys want to know a funny 15 second story when i went to visit my brother he lives near norfolk and uh i looked to see if the norfolk tides had a game i was hoping and praying that they did so i could talk about it on the podcast nope they didn't so uh that's how bad the minor league baseball <laughs> standing <laughs> sucked i couldn't even like follow up and like go in person to see if it was even any good <laughs> oh well yeah hey look you live and you learn that was a swing and a miss, if you will. But <laughs> all right. Make sure to, like I said, go uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Give us five stars. Great review. Uh, make sure you click follow, subscribe. Give us the alert bell. It really helps us in the algorithm. Helps uh, really put us up into the consciousness of everyone else searching for podcasts so they can understand and hear awesome takes like we had today on the division um, realignment, if you will, of the ACC. So. Make sure you give us five stars there. Check out the website, miserable-reckless.com for some good blog content and hopefully, you know, maybe some merch that shits on Syracuse. We don't know. May happen. Can't promise it. (laughs) But for this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. We will see you next time.